Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we gather together and we sing praises to Your name, Lord, we pray, Lord, as we have sing, sung from the heart, Lord, that Your name is honored and glorified. And now, Lord, as we open Your Word, we pray, O oh Lord, that You would open our hearts and our minds to hear Your Word. Lord, help us to worship You and glorify You by hearing and heeding Your Word to us. Lord, transform our hearts. Renew our minds so that we may serve You so that our hearts might be drawn closer to You. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Philippians. As we're closing out Philippians, our study in Philippians, discovering joy, we're looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 23. Uh, last time that we were in Philippians, we looked at the joy of contentment. The joy of contentment. And Paul was talking about uh, how they, the Philippians had sent a gift to him, not that he needed the gift because God had uh, shown him how to be content with whatever his situation, whatever his circumstance. And now as we come down to this final section of Scripture here in Philippians, we look at discovering joy and the joy of gospel partnerships, the joy of gospel partnerships as he signs off his final greeting to this Philippian church. If you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. As Paul closes out this letter, you'll notice what he says there in those last few verses. Uh, he, he signs off his letter, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. And watch this, especially those of Caesar's household. Those of Caesar's 
household. Now that is remarkable, isn't it? Here is Paul. Paul is really the, the first kind of missionary that, that God has, has sent out. And I know there's others God has sent out in different ways, but, but Paul is you know, the main missionary that God sends out and, and brings our focus to in the New Testament. And as, as Paul goes across the Roman Empire, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ with him, God has brought him to Caesar's household. And there are saints in Caesar's household. Caesar's household, the household which has the, the greatest influence on all of the Roman Empire, all of, so, so, uh, <laughs> all of the civilization of that day, the, the socialized civilization, right? And so it, it, it just, it's remarkable to me that, that here in this letter we have one of the most influential households in all of the empire. And Paul says, there are saints here who greet you. How did that happen? In, in relatively such a small amount of time, a short amount of time, the gospel has come from Jerusalem all the way to the household of the most influential people, the most influential household in that day. Well, one of the reasons that happened was because God, by His providence, brought Paul to the household. That's why Paul was there. Paul had been sentenced in, in Jerusalem, or, or Paul was arrested there in Jerusalem. He requested, he said, I want to be tried in Caesar's house. And so God in His providence has brought Paul to Caesar's household where Paul has been able to be an influence and witness to the gospel there in Caesar's household. And there are saints there. There are true converts there. Converts who will influence society and culture. But how is Paul able to remain there? And, and how is Paul able to, to be sustained? And, and how is he able to be free to, to preach the gospel and teach the gospel without having to worry about everything else? You remember, he's in prison there. And you remember, I, I've said before that those prisons in those days weren't like our prisons now. Where, where we take care of our prisoners. No, that day there had to be outsiders come in to take care of the prisoners. Paul doesn't have to worry about that because of a gospel partnership. These Philippians are able to send help, send supplies, send financial aid to Paul there in Rome, freeing Paul I'm having to worry about where his provisions come from. But he just gets to preach and teach and testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through his teaching, through his preaching, we can assume here that many in Caesar's household, as he says, saints, <laughs> plural, have been influenced by the gospel and come to a faith knowledge of Jesus Christ. As we look at this and, and as we think about that, through this gospel partnership, what has taken place? 
And as we close out this, this letter to the Philippian church, we see here real and lasting joy comes from gospel partnerships that seek global gospel propagation and God's exaltation among the nations. Let me say that again. Real and lasting joy comes from gospel partnerships that seek global gospel propagation or proclamation and God's exaltation among the nations. And as we, we look at this passage and as we work through it here, I want you to see three things. I want, you to, I want to show you the joy of gospel partnerships, the reward of gospel partnerships, and then give you an invitation to gospel partnerships. So the joy, the reward, and end with an invitation. So let's begin here. And first of all, we see the joy of gospel partnerships. Real and lasting joy is discovered in gospel partnerships. Real and lasting joy is discovered in gospel partnerships. Now, what do I mean by gospel partnerships? What am I talking about here? Gospel partnerships are partnerships established for the purpose of propagating or proclaiming the gospel. That's pretty common sense, isn't it? They're, they're partnerships joined together for the sole purpose of taking the gospel to the nations. And we see that throughout this verse, with the, or this, this section. Look at those first few sections, or first few passages of Scripture. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Now that word share there it is a, a kind of a business term, and it means to partner with. The, the root of that word and the Greek, the root word there, is the same word that we see in uh, the church entered into partnership with me. And, and so it's that same word. It has this idea of a partnership. You, you partnered with me in my trouble. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I was in Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again so uh, as Paul here he's talking about the partnership that the Philippian church had entered into with him and it began from the at the very beginning of their relationship if you go back to the book of Acts and you study Paul's missionary journey, this was the, the second missionary journey that Paul went on. It brought him to Philippi. Paul was working his way across the continent there, and he, he got to a place, and, and uh, you remember I said la a couple of weeks ago, Paul wanted to go up this way, right? He, he wanted to go north, but God said, no, that's not where I want you to go. And he says, the Holy Spirit kept me from going there. And so Paul ended up there in uh, uh, Troas, and as he was sitting there, he was praying, okay, God, you don't want to go here. Where do you want me to go? I know you, you've called me to the mission field. You want me to go somewhere. Where do you want to go? And, and he sat there, and he prayed, and at night he got a vision. He got the Macedonian call. He saw one sitting on the shores of the region of Macedonia say, come over here come over here. And so Paul did that. He went, he crossed the little sea there, he went over to Macedonia and made his way up to the city of Philippi. 
where he met Lydia and other people praying down by the river. And he told them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many there began to believe. And after he had began to establish this church, of course, Paul, we know he could never stay out of trouble. Uh, he got arrested. He kind of stirred up things there. He, he freed a woman from a demon, and, and that caused a ruckus in the town. And so Paul ended up in prison. And then after he got out of prison, they said, all right, you better get out of here before it gets worse. And so Paul leaves, and he goes on down south, and he, he goes to the town of Thessalonica. And while he was there at Thessalonica, Paul says, you help me. You entered into partnership. As I was taking the gospel to the nations, you came down. You sent help for me. You provided for me. And that's what he's talking about in the ministry of giving and receiving. He, he gave them the gospel. And now they are giving back to him with financial aid. Helping him so he doesn't have to spend all of his time building tents. He can, he can go build a little bit and then come back over here and, and preach the gospel. He, it freed him up to preach and to proclaim the gospel and take the gospel to the nations. And now that he is in prison in Caesar's household, the, the Philippian church didn't say, well, he's in prison now. Let's go over here to somebody else. They said, no, we're going to stay in partnership with Paul. And, and they began to send money to him there and take care of him there in, in Rome. And so this is what we're talking about, gospel partnership. As God had called Paul to the mission field to take the gospel out to the nations, here Philippi, these believers in Philippi said, we want to go with you by sending our funds so you can go. Real lasting joy is discovered in gospel partnerships such as this. Now why? How does this work? What causes this kind of joy? Well, first of all, this kind of joy, this, this joy in gospel partnerships comes from, because it, it's the joy of counting others more significant. It's the joy of counting others more significant than yourself. We've already talked about this, and that's been one of Paul's main thrusts throughout this, throughout this letter, hasn't it? He began there in chapter 2, said, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but consider others more significant than yourselves. And he gives our greatest example of that, Jesus Christ, who humbled himself, who thought of us more than he thought of himself, and he, he, he shed his, his divine glory and, and came and took on human form so that he could walk this earth and, and bear our sins and die on the cross for us. And Paul says, you ought to consider others more significant. Do like Christ did. Humble yourself. Make yourself nothing and think of others. And our last lesson, our last sermon in uh, Philippians, we also looked at contentment, the joy of contentment. And you remember one of the points in that, point number one, in fact, was to put the needs of others above your own. And we talked about how selfishness never, ever satisfies. When all we think about is ourselves, we're never going to be satisfied. We'll never be satisfied. We'll never have enough. But when we put our focus on others, and we begin to, to invest in others, 
and give to others and count others more significant, this wonderful thing begins to take place. <laughs> we find joy. We find real lasting joy. So we have here, when we begin to enter into these gospel partnerships, we can discover the joy of counting someone else more significant than ourselves. Now, I, I find this strange. I, I read a lot, and so um, I read a lot of leadership books as well, secular leadership books along with Christian leadership books. And, and Jim Collins wrote a book called From Good to Great where he analyzed all of these different companies, corporations that, uh, that had made this kind of, uh, of uh, jump from being a good company to a great company. And he began to analyze them to try to find out what were the key things that made these companies go from being good companies to great companies. And one of the number one, one, of the number one uh, reasons there, one of the number one keys for these companies going from good to great were leaders, which he called level five leaders. And a key significant or a key uh, characteristic of level five leaders were leaders who thought more of others than they did of themselves. They thought more of others. They were more concerned about building up others, giving others the credit, than they were about themselves. In fact, they would say, oh, it's not about me, it's about them. They did that. Isn't it amazing? Truth is truth no matter where you find it, whether it be in a secular book or, or the Bible. Truth is truth because all truth is God's truth. Isn't it amazing that even secular society is under, beginning to understand that God's Word, when He says, consider others more significant, that there is great benefit in that. And isn't this the example that we have in Jesus Christ? As he counted himself less significant, he counted us more significant, he came and died on the cross for us. We see that partnership within the whole Trinity, in fact, in that plan of redemption. God the Father willed, he desired his Son to come and die on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ became, came and He accomplished the plan of redemption here by dying on the cross for us. And the Holy Spirit, He comes and He applies it to our lives. We see the gospel partnership even taking place within the Trinity. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit partner together to save us. Oh, the joy of gospel partnership. Another reason that we find joy in gospel partnerships is, is we see the joy of accomplishing the Great Commission. The joy of accomplishing the Great Commission. Jesus tells us, go therefore into all nations. Make disciples of all people groups. All around the world we're called to make disciples. But He hasn't called all of us to go everywhere, has He? In fact, that would be quite impossible. None of us can go everywhere. 
But how does God accomplish His great commission? Through gospel partnerships. Just as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit join together in gospel partnership to, to bring about the plan of redemption, God also invites each and every one of us to join in gospel partnership to send others out to the nations. We reach the nations by sending out missionaries and supporting missionaries who God calls to specific nations and peoples. So we get the chance to fulfill the Great Commission by supporting things like the Georgia Barnett Missions Offering, the Lottie Moon Mission Offering, all of these missions offerings, the way that we cooperate together in, in the cooperative program and, and we support those who are taking the gospel to the nations. We are taking the gospel to the nations by funding those who are being sent out to the nations. We get to accomplish the Great Commission through gospel partnership. And then finally, we see here the way, the way that we get joy out of this is the joy of glorifying God. Notice verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is saying through our partnership together in giving and receiving as I'm going out with the gospel and you're supporting me and taking the gospel God is being glorified among the nations. One of my favorite quotes is from John Piper who says, missions exist because worship doesn't. You ever think about that? Why do we have missions? Missions exist because worship doesn't. There are peoples around the world who are not worshiping God. So we have missionaries taking the gospel across the nations so that people can come to know God and worship God in a right relationship. We glorify God by entering into gospel partnerships, taking the gospel to the world. So, the joy of gospel partnerships there's real and lasting joy in gospel partnerships. But what about the reward? Paul shows us here the reward of gospel partnerships. God blesses sincere gospel partnerships. God blesses sincere gospel partnerships. When we enter into gospel partnerships, you have to understand that gospel partnerships calls for sacrificial giving. It calls for sacrificial giving. Look at verse 17 here. 17 says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. You see, he doesn't just call us to give our little spare change, you know, whatever, you know, reach in your pocket, just give me a, a little bit of a spare change. Gospel partnerships call for sacrifice. Gospel partnership call for sacrifice. You've got to give of yourself. You've got to take away from, from what you think you want and have to have, and you give it away trusting God. 
It calls for sacrificial giving. And we see here that sacrificial giving, what it does, it builds heavenly rewards. It builds heavenly rewards. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I seek the fruit. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to build rewards in heaven. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thief breaks in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, there, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is revealing something to us that the rest of Scripture begins to tell us even more. That as we, we give to the gospel, as we sacrifice... For the spreading of the gospel and the glorifying of, of Jesus Christ among the nations, we begin to build up treasures in heaven. God begins to lay aside for us rewards. I don't know what those rewards look like. It doesn't tell us that. But as we give, sacrificially give into these gospel partnerships, Scripture tells us that we build heavenly rewards. It's fruit added to our credit in heaven. And that, my friend, is a kind of joy that really lasts. Let me tell you, if you, you take your money and you go out here and you, you spend it, on worldly things what happens rust destroys thieves break in and steal worldly things are temporary they deteriorate they go away if your joy is in your money what happens you're going to spend it it's going to go away but when we invest in heaven and jesus promises us reward that never ever fades away sacrificial giving to gospel partnerships build builds heavenly rewards the sacrificial giving also is pleasing to god look at verse 18 i have received full, full payment and more i am well supplied having received from epaphroditus the gift you sent look at this a fragrant offering and sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to god when we enter into these gospel partnerships the heavens rejoice it makes god glad it is acceptable and pleasing to Him. Oh, to please God. Oh, to cause the heart of God to sing. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you. What causes the heavens to sing? What causes the heavens to rejoice? When one sinner comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it says the heavens explode in joy. The angels sing praises when the lost come to Christ. We want to make the heavens sing praises. 
We need to enter into gospel partnerships that send people out to take the gospel to the nations where the lost come into the kingdom of God. Gospel partnerships are pleasing to God. And not only are they pleasing, but they also honor God. They are are honored by God. Sacrificial giving is honored by God. Look at verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know, the truth of the matter is we can give and we can give and we can give. Give till it hurts because, dear friend, we can never, ever outgive God. God promises, I will take care of your need if you will just be faithful to give when I call you to give. Don't put your faith and your hope in your pocketbook. Whatever is there, it's God's. Scripture says that God is the, he's the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. That's just metaphorically speaking, that, saying that God ha- owns everything. It's all His. What is yours, what you think is yours, that's God's. God's only just given it to you. He, he's loaned it out to you. And if you're faithful in much, God will faithfully give you more. <laughs> now that doesn't mean that if you give $10, God's going to bless you with 20 more. All right? It doesn't mean if you plant your faith seed of $20, oh, God's going to give you 100 Nope, that's not what Scripture tells us. But God does say, if you're faithful in much, I'll give you more. It may be in financial uh, finances. It may be. It may be and just wonderful blessings of being able to see the lost come to Christ. The greater still, it's going to be all the rewards that He is reserving for us in glory. If we are faithful to give, if we are faithful to give, if we're faithful to join in these gospel partnerships, God will honor that by blessing us with the fullness of His blessing. So we have the joy, we have the reward, now here comes the invitation, the invitation to join in gospel partnership by committing to our 2020 vision for Boston. Here we introduce that today, you, you all know that we went to a, a, on a vision tour back in the beginning of the summer of Boston, we've been praying about God, where do you want us to go, what, where do you want us to go, what do you want us to do, we, we, I knew coming into this church that God wanted me to, to find that place. You know, I've always had a heart. I wanted to find a place to go and build and invest and see something happen. Not just a place to go, you know, go here one year, go over there one year, and, you know, go and forget. I know we have mission trips like that sometimes, but I wanted God just put it on my heart. Find a place to invest in. Find a place to go and, and see me work. And so I've been looking for that. I've been praying for that. And God has led me to Boston. And I, and I don't know why it wasn't my first choice. 
But for some reason, God brought me there. And God has given me a burden for Boston. Let me just tell you a little bit about Boston. I'm just going to bullet point these little stats. And I want you to come back tonight because tonight we're going to talk about it more. I'm going to lay out more about Boston and, and what we plan on there. But just to give you some bullet points about Boston. Why Boston? Why should we invest in Boston? The population of Boston is 5.9 million people. 5.9 million people and only 3.5% are evangelical. 3.5% of 5.9 million people have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That is right on line with Egypt. Even here in our own nation. 3.5% have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Boston is a culture maker. They're a culture maker. They make and shape culture. We are influenced by Boston. How's that? Let me just give you one example. How many people here have Facebook? Come on now. How many people have Facebook? Look at it every now and again, don't you? Mark Zuckerberg, Zuck, Zuckerberg, he wrote the original program for Facebook in his dorm room at Harvard University. Boston has 80 colleges and universities with 250,000 students a year. They produce 25 to 28% of the world's leaders. That's world leaders. That's not American leaders. That's world leaders. Leaders who leave Boston and go around the world. 25 to 28%. They are culture makers. And I really believe if we can reach Boston, we can reach the world. Come back tonight and hear more. But it's not just Boston. God has, through His providence, led me to a missionary, Kevin Sanders. You have there a picture of Kevin Sanders, and, and uh, the youth probably handed out the, the prayer cards for Kevin Sanders a while ago. That's he and his family, his wife Lauren, and his five children, uh, Hudson, Riley, Piper, Aiden, and Haddon. I want to tell you, I'm running out of time here, I want to tell you how I met Kevin. It was God's providence. It was a divine appointment at a conference where I just happened to sit beside Kevin in between eating snacks. And I said, hey man, where are you from? He said, I'm from Boston. I'm a, a church planner. I just moved to Boston. I'm planning this new church. I said, well, guess what? I'm coming to Boston in just a few weeks on a vision tour. I believe that was a divine appointment. And we got work to do with Kevin Sanders and his family. Come tonight and you'll get to meet him even more. 
So tonight, today I want to invite you to enter into gospel partnership. Enter into gospel partnership. Help us reach Boston. Yes, we are reaching the world through the cooperative program. We are reaching the world through all of the other missions, uh, uh, offerings that we, we take up. But let's invest in one and watch God work. I want to invite you into partnership today, first of all, by committing to pray. Committing to pray. You, you have there the card that I, I passed out, the 2020 vision on the front of it, and on the back here, here's your commitment card, and so you write yours and your family's name in there. And check number one is pray for Boston and pray for the Sanders. Pray for the family. All of us can do that. We're going to put them on our, our prayer list. We've got a lot of missionaries there that we're praying for, and, and, but we're going to put them there as well. And we're going to begin to pray for Boston. Commit to pray for Boston. Hang their pit, picture up on your refrigerator and pray for them every time that you pass by. Take that other card that I gave you, and it kind of gives some goals for Boston. Take that. Pray for Boston. Pray for Boston. I believe God is doing a great work there. Pray for Boston. Commit to pray for Boston. Second, commit to give. Commit to give. Here's the 2020 vision. 2020 vision Boston. Here's what I envision. This is what God has laid on my heart. I'm looking for 20 families. 20 families. To commit to $20 a month until 2020. Is that easy enough? 20 families, $20 a month until 2020. At least 2020. We're going to see what God does. Now that's just, that's lunch. Right? Take your family out for lunch and you're going to spend more than $20. We, we've already committed to, to 20, so we only need 19 more. 19 families to come and join us in investing in the gospel propagation in Boston. And so maybe you can't do 2020. Well, there's another spot there. Just whatever you can give. If you can, if you can give five, give five. Commit to $5 a month. Enter into this gospel partnership to see God change and transform Boston. Give. And then I want you, oh, wait, let me back up there. I do want to say this. As you commit to give, as we looked at our, our, our memory verse this past week, you guys on Wednesday night know we, we talked about it. Our last week's memory verse came from 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. through 7, And there Paul tells us in verse 7, Do nothing, uh, I forgot my words here. Do nothing reluctantly, there we go, reluctantly or out of compulsion. But each one needs to decide in your own heart what to give. I want you to understand, I'm not pressuring you. There's no pressure. You pray to God. You pray to God. And you let God tell you what to give. And then give it joyfully. Give it joyfully. Third, commit to go. Commit to go. We're going to go to Boston. We're going to make trips there. 
We're going to go and put boots on the ground, and we're going to help the Sanders build that church and share the gospel with the people there in their area. Begin to prepare even now to go work for God in Boston. Discover the joy of gospel partnership. We need to partner together, commit to partnering together to make a difference around the world. Commit and see what God will do. I'm excited. I'm excited. Because this new church, this, this is just getting off the ground. Just getting off the ground. And I want to see what God will do from now to 2020. Let's commit to do this together. Oh, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, we thank You for the wonderful privilege and opportunity to come and join in partnership even with You, Lord, as You work out Your plan of redemption here and now as Your Holy Spirit spreads and goes and takes the Gospel to the nations, Lord. You invite us in to partner with You. And Lord, we thank You. We thank You that You would thank so much of us to let us share in the joy of seeing lost souls Come to Christ. Oh Lord, I pray today that that would be a burden on our hearts. And that would be a longing to see peoples, nations come to know You. Oh Lord, You have called us to this. Prepare us. Equip us. Help us. Now Lord, I know today there are those even here who don't know Christ. They've never entered into any partnership with You. Lord, today they need to know Your redemption. Oh Lord, touch their hearts even through this message on missions, Lord, touch their hearts. Let them see Christ. Come to know Him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.